calling out to the Atascacita community. It's time for your Atascacita Library advanced copy. Get your notes and news now. Hello, Atascacita community. It's October 17th, 2020. I hope you've gotten your scary story in. <laughs> Remember, the deadline is October 19th. You'll need to send that story to our email at ata at hcpl.net. The maximum length is 5,000 words. And once your story is received, you will be contacted to fill out a form. There are categories for our stories. It's K through third, fourth through sixth, seventh through twelfth, and adult. We do ask that you keep it PG-13. And the work must be original, so no fan fiction or use of other authors' characters. Entries with offensive content will be disqualified. And remember, the winning stories will be read as part of the October 31st Halloween podcast. So be sure to meet that deadline of October 19th. While the wait is long, word is the wait is worth it. The Midnight Library by Matt Haig is currently on the bestseller list. Place a copy on hold through our online catalog or the HCPL app. Digital formats are also available and can be placed on hold through the Libby app. Here's what they have to say about The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Between life and death, there is a library, and within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would be if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? This sounds like my kind of read, and I'm on the list waiting too. But for other great reads with a frightening flair, check out NPR's list from 2018 of the top 100 books of horror found on their website. Categories like Cosmic Horror and Weird Fiction, or Scar Your Children, Horror for Beginners. There's a little bit of something for everyone. Even me. I don't read horror, or at least thought I didn't, until I was reading over the foundational horror and realized I've read a lot of them. Like the classic Frankenstein by Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, and The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. But a favorite is a short one. The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Fortunately for you, I have staff who do read horror and enjoy psychological tales of terror. Let's listen in on a staff conversation about some of their favorite spine-tingling stories. Hey, this is some of your staff at the Atascacita Library, and today we're going to have a discussion about some of our favorite horror books. My name is Kimberly. I'm Marissa. I'm Mary. I'm PJ. And I guess I'll get started on this topic. So I actually do the teen book club here at the library, and so we actually did a horror slash paranormal teen book club this month, and that was just last week. And I did a very different book for me. I did a book called His Hideous Heart by Dahlia Adler. And what that book is about, it's a retelling of some of Edgar Allan Poe's most famous stories. And it's done mostly in a modern retelling. So I guess what I really liked about it, it was that it was very short. <laughs> it was very short reads, very short stories. 
And I did pick out three of the stories I really liked out of them. One of them was called It's Carnival, and that's based on the cask of, I can't even say that, Amontatillo? Do you know how to say that? It's like a mummy name? Yeah, it's oh, hard to say. Yeah. By, and the story was written by Tiffany Jackson. And it's basically a story about a uh, girl who gets back at her bully. So I really kind of liked that, even though it turned out to be not such a great thing. Like a Carrie <laughs> almost. Yes, it was very Carrie <laughs> in a very creepy way. Yeah. There was one called The Glittering Death, and it was about uh, a modern-day serial killer who traps a girl and she tries to escape. And honestly, I liked it, but it was almost a little too real for me because it was extremely... It, it was very possible. It was a very possible thing, so that yeah. really freaked me out. The, not, the last one I really liked was called The Oval Filter, which was based on the Oval Portrait by Lamar Giles. And this one was my favorite because it was just, it was enough paranormal for me to really like it. But essentially, college football stars, dead girlfriend starts showing up in his Instagram and she's giving him clues as to who did it. Ooh, it was wow. really kind of intriguing. So that was what I did for Teen Book Club, and I really enjoyed it. And if you like Edgar Allan Poe, you will probably enjoy this. So you get a retelling, but then at the back of the book, it actually has the original tales that inspired the new ones. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll go ahead and jump in. I have a few horror favorites that I have read when I was younger, and then, of course, now more, more recently. The one book that I remember pretty fondly when I was younger um, is called "Stories to Tell, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alan Schwartz. And I remember a lot of my friends and I would go and rent out these books because they came in three different sets as a series. So you had like scary stories to tell in the dark and then more scary stories. And then the very third one is like, scary stories to chill your bones <laughs> but the one i really like is the very first one and in the book there the stories are not so much scary they're more creepy very much like the ones that kind of just get under your skin and you think about a little bit after you've read them <clears throat> one of my favorites in uh, scary stories to tell the dark is a story called the high beams and as i was a kid i didn't so, of course, I didn't drive, like I couldn't <laughs> drive just yet, but in the story, High Beams, it's about a woman who is driving alone at night, and there's this other car behind her, like, shining his high beams through her window, yeah. and so she gets freaked out, and she finally, like, pulls into her driveway and, like, gets out of the car, and she's like, stop following me, you know, like, why are you following me? And he's like, come here, come here, and so she, like, walks to him or whatever and he's like I was trying to tell you that there's a man in your car and every time he would like pop up to I guess kill her with a knife or something in the back of her seat he would shine the high beam so that he would go down <laughs> and reading that as a kid I was like ah <laughs> was like, you always check your back seat now yes. <laughs> especially at night or like especially when before when we go to the movie theater and watch like a scary movie, <laughs> I'm driving alone back to my ha uh, apartment. And I'm like looking in the rearview mirror. And I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. That's gonna pop out. Okay, so part of me was like, <laughs> no, you don't get out of the car <laughs> to the stranger who's like stalking you. What are you thinking? But yeah. I guess 
this one time it turned out great. Yeah, <laughs> obviously there's murder in there. In the back of the car. Yes. <laughs> that one's really stuck with me, obviously. You know, just because that's something that could, I guess, possibly happen. So, that that's one that gets under my skin. Another book that I read more recently is actually a manga, and it's by Junji Ito, which is a famous Japanese horror uh, manga artist. And so this book is called Yon and Wu, and it's actually a um, kind of horror book about his two cats. <laughs> so in the manga, he basically just talks about how he meets these two cats through his fiance at the time. She brings them over, and one of the cats is very cute. It's like a Norwegian forest cat, so it's got this like really long hair, and it's really pretty. Then she has this other like bobtail cat that just looks haunting. And I'm going to show some of the staff, what I'm talking about. So, in each page of the book is illustrated. It's illustrated pretty well, and since he is a horror manga artist, the cats look especially haunting in this book. So, let me find a picture. Okay, so for instance, this one. So, this is one of the cats. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's Yom. And he talks about how in the book he almost looks haunted <laughs> or possessed because he's just like. And then he has this special marking on the back of his coat that looks like a skull. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. especially yeah. fun since you just got a cat. I know, yeah. <laughs> so I really like this one. It's not scary at all, but the illustrations are scary. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Junji Ito also does actual horror mangas, so I give those a read, too. I haven't personally read them, but they're supposed to be pretty, pretty scary. Um, and then I guess a last one that isn't necessarily a book or, like, a novel. They're just online stories, I guess you can say. They're creepy pastas, and I used to read them, like, nonstop <laughs> when I was uh, younger. But basically, they're just made up fan fiction stories about creepy things like there's one creepy pasta where you have to try to make one or two sentence like scary so you have to say i was i was the last person on earth and then i heard a knock at the door so <laughs> it's something like that where it's just like well who is it because they're supposed to be the last person on earth it's just creepy stuff no. like that creepy pasta i don't know if there's a website anymore that you can go to look at them, but I know on Reddit you can find some, so those are my horror picks. <laughs> I have a question about your first yeah. one. Okay. So you and I are both movie fans. We're big yeah. horror movie fans. We're always swapping oh, yeah. stories back and forth and suggesting what the next movie is, and I've got one for you that I watched last night. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I want to know, did you see the movie for the adaptation? I didn't. No. No, you haven't? I have not okay. seen I haven't it. seen it either, so I was, wait, I was hoping you would know uh, if no. it was worth watching. I saw a lot of trailers and I've seen some clips, and it it kind of looked like a Goosebumps version of this, <laughs> which is fine because this is a, basically a children's story, like a scary storybook. So I figured, I guess, this was the movie been. supposed to be for children? I don't know. I, yeah. I think it was. I don't recall. Maybe PG exactly. thirteen. Might have been PG thirteen. Yeah. So when I saw some of the clips, like. The people they narr the figures they narrated from the story into the movie were really creepy. Like there's one where it's just like a blob, but she has like stringy hair and she has like no neck. And it just looks so it looks so weird. <laughs> it 
it's so gross. And then they do the famous, like, scarecrow story. And, of course, that's what he looks like there. Because this is the movie um, cover. But, yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to run it. I know, we're going to have to watch it. <laughs> watch it. <sighs> You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Copy. I'm Mary, and... Most of my horror stories revolve around Stephen King. I tend to just read his books as far as horror goes. So first one that I ever read that I liked and kind of got me into reading him was Pet Cemetery when I was in the sixth grade. Oh. I don't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was in the school library, so, you know, I checked it out. (laughs) So I was not taken to the public library back then. I had to get my books from the school Mm -hmm. library. We happen to have Pet Cemetery in the uh, in the library, so um, that was my first. And I liked Pet Cemetery, the book. Uh, I can't say I like the movie too much, but <laughs> see, I'm the opposite. I yeah. tend to like Stephen King's movies a lot more yeah. than I actually like his books. Yeah. Although I've read several of them, yeah. including Pet yeah. Cemetery. It's the visual, huh? I think it is. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, so I think sometimes the language is so harsh in the books. They can I, be. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. get turned off by all the, the mm. language, yeah. personally. Yeah. They don't yeah, can't put that so that. much in the movies without it being really no, rated right, right. R. They would and, have to. Yeah. yeah. They have, they, yes, they cut out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, that's actually not my favorite of his. Uh, my favorite of his is actually The Stand, which is probably a lot of people will say is, was his best book. But that one, because, you know, it starts off being very believable. It's a super flu created by the government and every it gets out of their facility there the Mm -hmm. one guy gets out and he's got it and that's how it spreads and it just goes everywhere where it kills off most of the world yeah (laughs) you know almost everybody in the world dies the population is pretty much decimated because as i i I didn't recall this i actually had because the book that the version of the book i read came out in the 90s and that was an updated version of the original that came out in 78, because in 1978, when he published, well, 1980, I think is when the book actually got published, but um, he had to cut out 400 pages from the story because they told him that it would be too expensive to print. Oh. So the original book was much shorter, by about 400 pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the 90s, when he got to redo it and... They ended up calling it the uncut version. So it's like 1,100 and something pages. Longest book. He added the pages that were cut. And then he updated it so that the present time was not 1980 anymore. The present time was 1990. Um. And so there's 1990s references in the book because uh, he updated everything to kind of make it in that present time. Yeah. So the book starts off with everybody dying. (laughs) of the flu and and yeah and it's the government and because the government then sends it to other countries in order to make it look like it wasn't the united states fault that it Mm. was you know something accidental (laughs) and got spread around sounds awfully like (laughs) what might be going on right now yes yeah so do you think stephen king will rewrite a 2020 version of it oh i don't that would be interesting. But there is going to be a TV movie, a new version of The Stand oh. that CBS has done. Um, that They've already finished it. I don't know when it's supposed to air, but they've done... An, it's going to be on CBS All Access, though, so you have to have the subscription to CBS to see it. Mm-hmm. But they have redone 
the TV version of The Stand that came out. I don't remember exactly when that TV version came out, but there's a, a new one that's going to be out. But yeah, and then the supernatural stuff comes in. Because <laughs> it has, you know, it's Stephen King. So right. you have to have the supernatural stuff in there and the group of people. Uh-huh. Um, but he had such a large cast of characters in this particular book that he ends up killing half of them about midway through the story. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, I also um, feel like don't get too close to any of the characters because you never know. You never know who's going to die. Of course, he's not like George R. R. Martin, which that's a whole different topic. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went there. <laughs> As did mine. Makes sense. Authors killing off all their characters. Who yes, does that? Yes. <laughs> but um, now, you know, the characters that you, that you really root for do stay in the story or at least the ones that I did and um, it turns out all well in the end because you know Stephen King I don't think has ever really had a book that doesn't have a good end a nice oh, right. happy ending yeah. <laughs> I don't know Doctor Sleep doesn't have too much of a happy well, ending well that one yeah that yeah <laughs> I mean it does kind of I mean I don't want to give it away sort of yeah. but yeah it is resolved but <laughs> oof yeah I've never read The Shining, but then I read Dr. Sleep, so I guess I need to go back and read The Shining. <laughs> you know, we just watched The Shining the other day, and I just, I really love that movie, but I love the Dr. Sleep movie. I really, really love it. The new one? The new Dr. Sleep. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. fantastic. I really, really recommend it. Who makes it? it? Is it oh, the director? I don't know that. We actually saw no, the studio. studio. So uh, you can't, yeah, don't say anything because for Halloween, my friend is coming over because she's never seen The Shining. And oh, I have never God. seen Dr. Sleep. And she wanted to see Dr. Sleep before seeing The Shining because she didn't know that no, there was, you really it was a need sequel. To see the Shining first. So I told her to come over and for Halloween, we're going to actually watch The Shining and then Dr. Ooh, Sleep. Awesome. That sounds good. And we're going to be chatting with my friend who's in New York and <laughs> loves horror movies. Yeah. Who is yes. the reason that you guys watched this summer? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk to that friend. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that one is my favorite one. I could touch on one that I'm currently reading, but I haven't finished it. But so far, I do like it. Amy Malloy, Goodnight Beautiful is the name of the book. I got it as an advanced reader copy. So I'm, I'm almost done with it. So I'm not sure how it's going to end, but it's supposed to be a thriller mystery type of thing. But it starts off very much just a general fiction type of story. You know, you don't get into any kind of mystery until maybe halfway or a little past halfway in the story. Because you're just getting a whole lot of what's going on with this married couple and um, this man. Mm -hmm. The man is a therapist and... But he's having his own issues because uh, his his mom is early dementia and he's trying to take care of her. But he finds out that his father's left him $2 million, or actually given his mother $2 million. But then he finds out some other information about that money. <laughs> and then this hurricane comes through and then he disappears. But the story is told by um, in three different voices. You get... The main character Sam's voice, and then you get his wife Annie's voice, and then you get the landlord, the guy who owns the um, building that Sam's therapy uh, business is run out of. 
because I'm listening to it, so I actually hear it in three different voices. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at first it kind of threw me off because the, the landlord to me sounded like an older woman. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put mm-hmm. two and two together right away until Sam started calling him Albert. I was like, oh, wait, Albert's a man. (laughs) (laughs) So then that kind of changed everything for me there. But yeah, and then you get into what happened to Sam. It's like during the hurricane and he has this accident and Mm -hmm. he disappears. His wife can't. He, you know, his wife has no idea where he is. But because of this $2 million, the police are telling her that he probably took off with it. And they've only been married for like 15 weeks, so (laughs) they're basically newlyweds. And then Albert, who has been in the house during all of the psycho, the the therapy sessions, he's, he listens to them because he discovers he can hear through the vents what's going on with all of the (laughs) patients. Yeah. And so he's upstairs every day listening to all the therapy sessions. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and so yeah he he's he at first you just think he's this weird little guy yeah and don't think anything of him until he discovers that sam's wife is a professor of women's studies and she does this whole lecture about the book misery going back to stephen king (laughs) 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 about misery and the reason that that about that character and why she reacts the way she does to to the guy and i can't remember his name but the author that she's got trapped in the in the house mm-hmm. albert does the same thing when wow. he finds sam after his car accident he finds him because the accident happened right outside the front of the house oh wow <laughs> and so now this is where i'm at albert's got sam trapped in the house Apparently he, well, according to Albert, Sam broke both of his legs. And so Albert has tried to fix them. Oh. <laughs> and has made no. their own cast, his own casts on him and, and everything. He's got him trapped up in the house. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to finish it, but <laughs> that's where we are now. <laughs> yeah, we don't believe Albert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is PJ, and um, admittedly, I am not into scary books. I'm kind of a weenie. Um, I am. You watched Midsummer. <laughs> I watched Midsummer under my boyfriend was really pushing it, and I was like, okay. And I said, I asked the wrong questions because I was like, is it gory? And he's like, it's not really gory. And I was like. It's okay. Like one of those movies. It will all almost all of like a one studio movies are like genuine like horror movies like they're the ones that you just like will think about after you've watched them right and they don't don't even have to contain any gore it's just it'll get into you guys let me just tell you my reaction because i went to watch this with my boyfriend my friend and him wanted to talk about it yeah i could not i did not know psychologically what was going in my brain or what i had seen that i cried I just broke down, cried, and asked my boyfriend to take me to TJ Maxx because I needed to buy something to make me happy. <laughs> Shopping therapy. Yeah. He wants me to watch that again. And um, I have told him that I will watch it as soon as I can go to TJ Maxx and get something. But this time he's buying it for me. Mm-hmm. 
So with that said, the reason I came upon this one, and it's a short story, it's Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? It's by Joyce Carol Oates, and it was first published in 1966, so it's an older. The reason I came upon this one is because I was doing a storied walk, and I wanted to do one for Halloween. And it's a really good story, except that there's some language issues that just wasn't going to be good yeah. for a public library. This is scary because it's not gory. It's like your midsummer. It gets psychologically I love in those. you. Yeah. Also because it could actually happen, and so oh, yeah. it freaks you out even more. I should say a little background about this. It was influenced by Bob Dylan. She actually wrote it for Bob Dylan. Her influence came from a Bob Dylan song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. It does mirror some of his song lyrics, and Arnold, who's the bad guy, kind of mirrors Dylan in the way he looks, but also it, uh, it parallels the story of a killer from Tucson, who was an older man, but was very charming and was able to lure teenagers, young teenage girls. Oh. So this one, like I said, it's a short story, so I mean, you should read it. It's about a 15-year-old girl who's pretty vain, she's careless, she's carefree, is all about looks, mm -hmm. likes to play hard to get with the boys. She does not get along with her mom, she doesn't get along with her sister. Her mom, in fact, is always complaining about her and how she's too much into her looks and how she's not responsible like her sister. Um, and her sister is somewhat boring. She's responsible, she's respectful, so mm -hmm. she has nothing in common. Her dad is very absent, so he gets home from a day of work, he drinks, he watches TV, he's just not there for her. Right. So the only good thing is that she will sometimes hang out with her sister's friends. And so they all tend to go to the movies, and I say that in quotes because that's what they tell their parents, but that's not uh, what's happening. Yeah. So she ends up going to the movies, but actually she crosses the street and goes to this diner where the older kids are, uh, right? And she's, you know, very flirtatious because she's very pretty and she knows it. And this guy comes up to her and he's like, hey, do you want to get some dinner? And she's like, okay, yeah, I'm hungry. So she kind of ditches her friend and they end up hanging out for like three hours in this diner and he ends up taking her back to the movies where they meet up, the friend meets up. And she doesn't know much about this guy. She just knows that he's good looking. He's got black hair. He kind of looks like your 1950s Marlon Brando. Is he like a greaser? He's got the greaser. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So he's he's got and he drives this like Dangerous. gold. He drives <laughs> this like gold jalopy, right? Okay. Yeah. So then the next day she wakes up and her whole family's going to go on a barbecue. She doesn't want to go, so she decides to stay. So she ends up staying at her home and sure enough, the same guy, Arnold friend, shows up at her house. And wow. uh, he's having this conversation with her, and she's realizing that Arnold knows way too much about her. Just too much. Yeah. He knows where the family's at. He actually knows where the 
what the family is doing at the moment that they're in the barbecue. So you don't even, you get the sense of, is Arnold human? Is he not? How can he know exactly what's going on with her family? Yeah. And he's having this conversation with her and he's like, you're the one, you're my love. You know, why don't you come out and take a ride with me? And she's very like, no, how do you know all this stuff about me? And he's like, oh, don't worry, you were meant to be my love. But in the moment that she's having this conversation with him and she's inside the house and he's outside, she is starting to realize that he looks older than what she thought. Yeah. She thought he was like an older like teenager, like 18. He actually looks like he's older and his friend looks like he's a baby-faced 40-year-old. Oh. Oh, she also starts to realize that he might be stuffing his boots to make himself look taller because every time he like walks his like ankles get wobbly oh. and then she like she also starts thinking that he's wearing makeup oh. to make himself look younger yeah so the whole thing is they're having a conversation he's trying to get her to come out she doesn't want to come out she's now fearful however this man and in all fairness like like I said, the great thing about this short story is you don't know if he's a man. You don't know if he's an other world being. You don't know even if it's in her head and the sun might have gotten to her. You just don't know. This yeah. story is left up to interpretation and how you take it to be. So it ends right there. So it, cause it also seems like he's controlling her mind or has the ability to. It finally ends with she's gonna call the police, but she can't. She just somehow <sighs> can't bring herself to call the police. Oh, okay. Not because she doesn't want to. She's in great terror, but she's paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Where she can't, like, do anything about it. And finally, it ends where Arnold basically tells her, you come out and I will make sure that your family doesn't get injured or hurt. And so she ends up leaving the house on her own and going with Arnold. But it's the struggle of your body is doing something that your heart and brain clearly are telling you not to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I tell you it's all about interpretation because is he doing something to where he can control her? Does he have magical powers? Because at one point also he changes his voice. Oh, and yeah. so, like, he changes his voice to sound like the radio DJ. So you don't know what's going on. All you know is it's creepy and it's plausible because, for all we know, it could be a serial killer. Yeah. Who's going to kill her? It could be, a, I don't know, some type of alien who knows, like, has these special powers and is able to know what the family is doing, even though they're, like, in a barbecue. Yeah. And then it's just kind of creepier because, you know, like I said, it gets, this is parallel to the story of a killer from Tucson. Yeah. And, and I just think it's hilarious because at the same time, like, it's for Bob Dylan. And I'm like, oh, all right. I'd love to know what Bob Dylan has to think know, about that, yes, right? Yes. But uh, yes, I I love this short story because 
it's all open to interpretation. Um, it's one of those things where you're just like, ooh, I have to think more about what I just read. It's not clear cut. It's got that um, unsettling factor. It does, yeah. and that's the scariest <laughs> thing to me. Yeah. I don't like gory movies, but it's the psychological, yes, yeah. that and like little kids. Yeah. Little kids who are demons scare me. Like, oh, I'm like, yeah. we're not yeah. touching that. <laughs> so, yes, yes. So, yes, um, I printed it out so you guys can read it. But yeah, it's a short story. It, oof, it gives you chills afterwards. Like, yeah. Even then, like, I don't even know what to say about it because I'm like, it's so good. It's so scary and it makes you think twice about the people that you meet. Yeah. Because she thought she, she thought she knew this guy. Like, she thought he was a teenager. Turns out he may not be a teenager. So, uh, yeah. And it was written in 1966, so... Way to go, Joyce Carol Oates, because it's oh, yeah. been a very persistent short story. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I would have loved to have used this for, like, story walk, but there's some language. It's not terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, there's some language, yeah. mm-hmm. so. Yes, I'm going to force you guys to read this. Yeah. Maybe he's a vampire. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm thinking, like, oh, he changes his voice. Maybe he's not a teenager. What does that sound like? <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know. And, like, I read it a second time yesterday because I remembered it, but I was like, let me just go ahead and read it a second time. Yeah. And it was still very, like, chilling. Yeah. It was still very unsettling because, you know, sometimes you read a story and it's unsettling the first time. You go back and you read it a second time and you're like, yeah, it wasn't that scary. Right. Kind of so, like Jaws when you watch it when you're little yeah. and then you see the mechanical jaws when you're an adult and you're like why was I scared of that but uh this one just gives you chills oh yeah it's the gift that keeps giving (laughs) (laughs) so that is my short story all right well these um have been really great again I'm Marissa I'm Mary I'm PJ I'm Kimberly all right thank you so much bye bye October is jam-packed And I don't mean jam like you eat, though considering it is harvest time, this would be canning and jam season. I mean so many things to participate in, like voting. Do you have your plan? Halloween! Librarian is always a good costume. Dia de Muertos, time to honor the dead. And the library has a lot of great virtual events and curbside crafts, too. Check out our online events calendar and social media for details. But a seasonal favorite has gone virtual. It's the Haunted Library for Teens. Hi, I'm Miss Darla, and I'm the teen librarian at the Atascacita Branch Library. And we have a lot of great programs going on this month. You can find them at hcpl.net or on all of our social media. But I really want to talk to you about Haunted Library 6, Panic in the Discord. So every year we do a Haunted Library program. We've done a Sweet 16 that's gone awry. We've done a spooky carnival. We've done all kinds of different themes. We've done murder camp. This year we're going virtual, so I can't really give you all the details of it because it's a surprise. 
So first you're going to have to join our Team Zone Discord and you can do that by emailing ata at hcpl.net and make sure you put Haunted Library or Team Discord in your subject so we know what you're asking about. So this year the Haunted Library is going to be virtual and it's going to take place on October 29th at 5 p.m. So what you're going to do is we're going to open different levels. You'll go through the levels and then at 5 we have a virtual party going on. So after you do your it's kind of a choose your own adventure. So after you go through all the levels, you'll get to the party spot and we can talk about it. There won't be any spoilers until you finished. So you get your invite and join our Discord. We have a lot of really cool stuff going on there in addition to the Haunted Library. October 29th, 5 p.m. We will see you there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm recording. What are you uh, doing, Miss Darla? What? Who is this? I can't really see. I'm back it's behind me, the- Molly the Dolly. What? I who are I don't understand what is this going on I'm just excited about haunted library and I can't wait to see all my friends <laughs> you've been listening to Atascacita advanced copy music storybook by scottholmesmusic.com podcast supported by a grant from Best Buy through the friends of Atascacita branch library visit fold.ws to learn more about this 501c3 volunteer organization.